Good evening. Welcome back to We the People podcast. We are going to start off with Amendment 14, Citizenship Right. In Section 1, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges of immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Section 2. Representatives shall be apportioned among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state, including India. Indians not taxed, but when the right to vote at any election for the vo- for the choice of electors for president and vice president of the United States representatives in Congress, the executive and judicial offices officers of the state of or the members of the legislature thereof is denied to any of the male inhabitants of such state being twenty one years of age and citizens of the United States or in any way obliged except for participation in rebellion or other crime. The basis of representation therein shall be reduced in the proportion which the number of such male citizens shall bear to the whole number a male citizen's 21 years of age in such state. Section 3. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector Uh, president or vice president or hold any office civil or military under the United States or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of the state legislature or as an executive judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disabilities. Section 4. The validity of a public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payments of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned, but neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation occurred occurred in aid or insurrection or rebellion against the United States or any claim for the loss or imanification of any slave. But all sorts debts, obligations, and claims shall be held illegal and void. Section 5, the Congress shall have power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. That is Amendment 14, Citizenship Rights.
Welcome back to the We the People podcast. Our three segments for tonight's episode will be Americans Freed from Iran and Controversial Prisoner Swap. Schumer changes dress code rule on Senate floor, allowing Fetterman to wear shorts. Hunter Biden sues the IRS. We'll start off with, of course, the first one, Americans freed from Iran and controversial prisoner swap. Five Americans who were detained in Iran for several years have now been released as part of prisoner swap for five Iranians being held in the United States. On Monday, the five U.S. citizens were flown out of Tehran and landed in Qatar. According to U.S. and Iranian officials, the five Iran nationals have also been released. Two of them have reportedly arrived in Doha, and the other three opt not to return to Iran. The complex transfer deal including included the Biden administration giving Tehran access to $6 billion in oil revenue that had been held in South Korea since 2018. Today, five, in, five innocent Americans who were imprisoned in Iran are finally coming home. U.S. President Joe Biden said in a statement adding that he is grateful to our partners at home and abroad for their tireless efforts to help us achieve this outcome, including the government of Qatar, Oman, Switzerland, and South Korea. It remains unclear whether the exchange could pave the way for advancements on issues that separate the two nations, including Iran's nuclear program. It's backing a of regional Shiite militias, the presence of U.S. troops in the Gulf, and the ongoing U.S. sanctions against Iran. Again, here we are. Yeah, we got five for five, plus they also get $6 billion that they'll be able to spend money on, spend that money on anything that they want. And now, as you can see, it's even questioning about other things like how we're in the area with our military when you give a little they want a lot and with the president that we have he keeps giving and not really getting anything back um i'm not understanding much of anything like uh, the why people put themselves in this situation i don't understand either like i keep saying stay in the united states the only ones that should be able to be out of the United States are, of course, our military that have to put themselves in danger. For anybody else, it's not its not worth it. I mean, look at we're giving up five individuals or five other individuals. Like I say, yes, I know. That uh, it's the same thing. Um, what about uh, the ones that get that he's not trying to get, like our like certain military people that are still waiting to come back, that their families are saying, "Hey, we want these guys back that got detained while they were in the military and are still captured." Where are they at? Why don't you get them back? But here we are. We're always getting so many people released. But we're giving up a lot. And as you can see, there's even some that don't want to return. Where are they going to stay at? And why is it that were they detained here? And 
how in the world can we trust? Because you, I can guarantee you, under the Biden administration, they're probably going to allow them to stay here. But what was the re- what was the reason that they were detained in the first place, and should they be allowed to even stay here? On top of you know they've already been released. There's too many questions than answers in this, but in everything that Joe Biden does, there's always more questions than answers because nothing makes sense on what he does. I mean, it's like this, like Afghanistan. I mean, at the border, you name it, just can't continue. Our economy, the oil, we stop drilling. He starts buying from other ones. He allows the pipeline to be built in Germany for Russia to get more money. Nothing makes sense when, when you start to look at every. It's always more questions than answer. We'll be right back. Welcome back to We The People podcast. This next segment of this episode comes out with Schumer changes dress code rule on Senate floor allowing Fetterman to wear shorts. Another crazy one. Democrat Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has forced the Senate's sergeant at arms to no longer enforce the chamber's formal dress code for its members according to Exos. Senators are able to choose what they want to wear on the Senate floor. I will continue to wear a suit, Schumer told Exos. With the new changes, Democrat Senator John Fetterman can now wear his go-to shorts and hoodies on the Senate floor without fear of repercussions for violating, violating Senate dress code. The new rule is expected to take effect this week. Representative Majority Taylor Greene com- commented on the change on X, formerly known as Twitter, saying that it is a move geared specifically towards Fetterman. The Senate no longer encoding a dress code for, se- for senators to appease Fetterman is disgraceful, wrote Greene. Dress code is one of the society's standards that set etiquette and respect for our institutions. She continued, stop lowering the bar. Fetterman had been hospitalized and treated for clinical depression during his several month absence from the Senate. The Pennsylvania Senator is known for wearing a suit and tie in the chambers, but most often casual apparel around the Capitol. According to Exos, the current rule requires business attire for all Senate staffers. This is another one that I don't think should have been changed. It's been, the Capitol is a place of respect. It's a place where senators that are in those positions should have respect for the position that they're holding, the offices that they lead, and the building that they enter that has been in existence for, what, since the 1800s? And yet, for one individual, just because the guy wants to act like he's blue-collar when he's not, so that he can go around looking like he is blue-collar with the 
shorts and hoodie. Like I said, he's not. He's never worked that type of job in his life. And then to sit here and to change it for his benefit so he can go on the Senate floor looking all raggedy and everything. I mean, there's points where, okay, if he wants to be out there when he's not in the office and be that way, that's his business. We all dress a certain way when we're away from work, but when we're at work, there's a certain attire that you're required to wear. That's reason why there's a... That's the reason why every job has uniforms. It's so that way you're, because you're representing the business that you work for or you're representing individuals like like him and every uh, senator and congressman are representing us, the United States, for us, the people, in the people's house towards other countries. How in the world does that look when you're not dressing correctly and you look like somebody just came off the street or you didn't you just got out of bed because that's where this is eventually going to go to where you got like you see when you go to Starbucks or one of these places out here and you're being served and the person the person that's behind the counter looks like they just got out of, they just rolled out of bed and threw on clothes and came to and went to their job is that what we have come to inside the people's house the one place that uh, you would think that the that's most should be most respected of all, and here we are. Now we've now we dumbed it down to that point. So now we're going to start having people with nose rings and ridiculous amount of tattoos all over their face and everything. Those big old whatever I don't know what you call them in their ears that are in their earlobes makes that are all huge. We really res resorted to all this now. This is where we have lowered our standards because we've lowered our standards in everyday public life. Then now we're going to lower our standards in our government officials' positions that we hire to be in those positions by voting for them. That is not a correct thing to do. That should stay one way is a dress code for them to be able to be respectful for the offices that they hold, for the people that they represent, for the states that they represent, and the country they represent. That's all I have to say on that. We'll be back. Welcome back to We The People podcast for our final and third segment for tonight's episode, which has to do with Hunter Biden sues the IRS. On Monday, Hunter Biden and his counsel filed a lawsuit in a federal court and his, uh, in the federal court in Washington, D.C. against the International or Internal Revenue Services, the IRS, over alleged unlawful disclosures made by two whistleblowers who allegedly accused government prosecutors of improperly handling their probe into the president's son. Attorneys for 53-year-old Hunter Biden charged Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, both seasoned IRS agents, with engaging in an effort to embarrass and inflict harm on Mr. Biden 
by inappropriately discussing his private taxpayer information in media appearances. During these interviews, Mr. Shapley and Mr. Ziegler provided unsubstantiated and selectively chosen allegations of nefarious and potentially criminal behavior, said Hunter Biden's attorney, Abe Lowell. Lowell claims that the IRS failed to take reasonable steps to prevent its personal its personnel personal from unlawful disclosing Hunter Biden's taxpayer information and violating of Privacy Act. Hunter was indict, indicted last week on felony gun charges following a nearly five-year investigation two months after a plea agreement he had arranged with prosecutors that collapsed under a federal judgment questioning. These developments follow serious allegations made by Shapley and Ziegler, who approached Congress in, a, in April with claims that the top Department of Justice, the DOJ, officials hindered efforts to bring more charges against Hunter Biden, constrained the scope of their investigation, and refused to grant special counsel status to the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in charge of the case. Again, here we go again. Which is kind of funny that you, any of you out there think that you could go ahead and sue the IRS and think that they're going to go ahead and just stand by that you're going to sue the, sue the IRS and get away with it. And here's this individual. He wants to sue the IRS, which guess what? Everything's going to have to come out anyways about him, his father, uh, all his stuff. But yet, it's funny how he wants to fight to keep his private life out on what he, on how much money he makes, how much taxes he's paid. But yet, what does the what does the Democrat Party try to do? They keep wanting to bring out uh, Donald Trump's tax uh, tax form uh, ta taxes that he paid for and put them out into public. Where is that any different? That's the reason why it's always being said. There's a two tiered system for our judicial system because there's one for the Democrats and one for everybody else. Bottom line. And that's the way it works. But here he is. He's wanting to sue the IRS. And I hope that this fool ends up losing. Secondly, I hope everything comes out by him doing this because if it does go to court, guess what happens? It all has to come out. Uh, that's obviously a person that just doesn't know what in the world he's doing. He's going to put his dad into some serious situations because he's he's putting himself more out there to get it. Get I don't know why he's doing it, but obviously there was something out there that they weren't willing to put anything uh, go after him for. So you do have two whistleblowers that came out to tell Congress why, because they were not comfortable with knowing whatever what information that they had about Joe uh, Hunter Biden. And they weren't, they weren't willing to uh, go forth with any charges. So they went ahead and spoke. I don't see anything wrong with that. You're supposed to go ahead and stand up. I mean, even in your workplace, if you see something, another individual doing something wrong, and it's against the, the company or even company policy, whether if it's an individual that you work with or an individual that has to do with uh, above you, if it has to do with morals and ethics, 
you are required to speak up. That's all that's taking place here. But yet they're going to go ahead and turn around and try to turn around like that? No. It works the same whether if it's in our government, at home, or at work. Bottom line, there's no difference. There's no reason why anybody should be above the law. And it definitely goes to the fact that Biden, the Biden and the Biden family think that they're above the law. They're not. Nobody is. And just because you got the whole uh, government in your hand, that should be illegal too. That's the reason why Congress is doing what it's doing by doing an inquiry. Because of all the corruption that's taking place. We'll be back. Well, actually, we're done. I'm sorry. This is the third segment. <laughs> so, uh, God bless again. God bless you. God bless America. Thank you for my listeners. You guys are great. Um, God bless the military, the men in blue, the men and women in blue, uh, the EMT, the fire department, and our doctors and nurses, because they all put their lives on the line every day to either save our lives to perv- to keep us safe out on out there in the world keep to allow us to have the freedoms that we do and we got to give more thanks and be more appreciative to all these men and women that do their jobs every day knowing that they may not make it home good night